We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is going on, Rotor Grinders? Dean here. That's Dean7904. That is the Daily Fantasy Handle. This is the NFL Pick 6 Show Week 1. Super excited about that. Uh, myself, I will be hosting. I will be asking these fine gentlemen many, many football questions. Uh, it's going to be a super, super fun season. I'm excited. I'm getting this awesome football. Uh, of course, we have Rich Rebar, returning, two returning champions. The, the gang's back together. Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis. Rich, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've talked a ton of football already. For me, this is my very first show. You, you got to carry me. Daigle's going to carry me as well. What's up, Rewar? How are uh, how are things in your world? How excited are we about week one? Yeah, doing good. It, we made it week one. Now we can actually talk about things that are actionable for at least four days uh, instead of talking big season-long hot takes. So it's always fun. I've had my fill of uh, season-long tweets that people are just looking to make receipts on and to actually talk about games. So here we are. Happy to be back with you guys. This is... I. We talked about more show. It's, I'm really the longest tenured person on this show now. Uh, this, yeah. is my fifth, this is my fifth year. I'm the only person that's made it all five years. Uh, so I'm getting old, man. Yeah, you are, you are the constant for sure. Hey, before we get bringing Diggle, I'm curious. What are you? Give me a couple. Uh, fire off a couple of your season long like no. uh, plant flags. Oh, you don't you don't want to. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> They're on your Twitter. Did I you assume? listen to a word I just said, Dean. 
Well, but I'm curious now. I want to be able to point like get the victory lap like six weeks from now. The internet is forever. It's already out there. All right, fair enough. Daigle, Daigle you guys know him, of course, for NBC Sports. Uh, Daigle, I believe you just were, you were just on a podcast previously. You were talking, uh, was it 4 for 4, I believe you were on. You're out there in Vegas having yourself a good time, drinking, kicking back on Grandpa's Cough Medicine. What is that, the... What was what was the drink you're drinking? Some kind of cucumber it, concoction? It's, it's literally a gin and cucumber martini. I don't know the exact recipe, but I know the individual at the Mexican restaurant downstairs makes them splendidly. And my main event partner actually ran downstairs to get me another one while we're recording. And that's what's happening here. Uh, nonetheless, I will say I'm so, like Reeves, I'm tired of talking about season-long outlooks, <laughs> saying something three months ago, and then like no one has a receipt on it. But I'm excited to join this show because it's been so long to talk matchup by matchup analysis. And like, this is the show I go to the NBC company bigwigs and say, this is the one show I want to do because y'all are my friends. I genuinely love doing this show. I never wanted to die. And I'm so happy we're back for one more year. Yeah, I'm super excited, excited as well. And like I was saying, this is my very first show. And as a predominant like DFS guy, I have not been digging in the trenches and like, you know, checking all sorts of... Uh, Every like reading into every single storyline, like 80% of them don't come to fruition. And you know, you don't want to hurt. trust yeah. us, you don't want to. <laughs> I don't, and like, you know, I'm trying to make a conscious effort. I know it sounds kind of dumb to like almost collect a little bit less information if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. Like, information overload and it's all and all of a sudden becomes this big old group think. And so, uh, I mean, respect to people I respect, listen to those kind of people, and they'll kind of put blinders on to some extent as well. I have a different DFS approach this year. So yeah, uh, I think for DFS, that's a, a great angle. <laughs> absolutely. Especially for week one, because week one is the week where everybody thinks they know exactly, well, this team's bad. This team oh, is yeah. good. And this team's got a great offense. Their defensive, like we think we know, we're going to be right sometimes. Uh, Rebar, he's right. Uh, check it, get the receipts. He's going to be writing all those, I'm sure, for, uh, on the old Twitter machine. Uh, Daniel, did you have any? Did you want to have any you want to put out there? Any bold stances? Oh no! I mean, I'm not kidding when I say genuinely both of us are just tired. Uh, <laughs> it is Dean. I'm not kidding. It has been since May that we've been writing the same thing over and over again. Like, uh, it, it just all you do is copy and paste because even the preseason, those things that happen. I would say 90% of them happened in spring OTAs if you were paying attention. So like, it's not really like anything big changed minus injuries. So we had a couple frantic days, but overall there's just nothing. Uh, even though I am somewhat envious if you're home league, waited until Friday or Saturday to draft. In that case, like good for you. You have all the information you need. This is the NFL pick six show. If you guys are not aware, this is how things go down. We uh, pick three games. We focus on three games, break them down, dig into them fully. And then we kind of run three of the most important games from a DFS perspective that we think are, I guess, Daigle. You're the one that you don't like, you generally pick them, right? Think you're kind of the, the lead on that? Yeah, I, I took the lead, but it's only because I get kind of excited picking them. And uh, <laughs> initially, I think like like Reeves said, he's been here for five years. And initially, it was always the three highest totals. But y'all know I'll sometimes get a little mischievous and throw in a game that I think the total's far too low. I probably didn't do that this week. Maybe I threw in one sneaky game there. But once we get to positional plays at the end, which I'm sure you're about to say, Dean, the third part, the second half of pick six is quarterback, running back, and then hybrid wide receiver tight end positions for DFS. Uh, that's where we're going to get a little sneaky here. I was 100% sure Daigle was going to pick Jets Panthers. I, I, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. I had no, no, I was just list. trying to, I was trying to see what games in my head, like, why, what games is he going to pick? And I was like, I bet he goes Jets Panthers because he hey, did. It's a good game. <laughs> that's uh, definitely in your wheelhouse. 
Yeah. <laughs> I play the same game. Like, I like the yield and just kind of guess. Like, I usually get two out of three white. There's just like one curveball. But uh, yeah, the three games we're refocusing on. It's week uh, one. The people have to get to know us. Uh, maybe I'll throw in some curveballs next week. We'll see. The horizontal tees, they have to keep coming back. There you go. Uh, Arizona, Tennessee, we'll be breaking down in a second. KC, Cleveland, uh, the Bills and the Steelers should say we focus on the main slate. Dallas, Tampa on Thursday night, we're not talking about uh, the Sunday night game. Chicago and the Rams are not talking about Monday night. Baltimore and Vegas, not talking about just the main slate we have going down. Uh, well, Daigle, you're the one to pick the game, so let's lead it off. Uh, you, can, you can open up Arizona, Tennessee. Tennessee's a three-point favorite here. 52-and-a-half, big total. Um, the A.J. AJ Brown, are we concerned about this? Is it actually like a real just sort of a rest day? Uh, I think that's kind of sort of something interesting. I don't want to freak out about injuries and that kind of stuff on a Wednesday, but I guess it's worth throwing it out there that it exists, I think. Uh, start talking about that Tennessee offense, and are we scared about A.J. Brown just getting a rest day, apparently? Well, one – I'm confused why the lamps at Plenty Hollywood Hotel, one is this color on my face and the other one's that color and they're not the same. <laughs> Two, Ryan Tannehill is interesting. He is the player basically that was the tear breaker between Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, because he also offers rushing floor, but has also averaged the second most fantasy points per drop back in the 26 games he played under Arthur Smith. That, of course, is a big key. Uh, when people hear volatility, they always think negative, but it's also correlated to positive. It just means we don't know, and it could go in either direction. And the fact that Smith is no longer there, uh, Derrick Henry with 827 total touches the past two years, even though if you asked me like a player to bet against fading with that amount of touches it would probably be Derrick Henry honestly it doesn't seem like he's ever going to go away and so it, there's just a lot to take in for this offense as a whole especially since they've banked efficiency in that time and perhaps it doesn't happen now but overall for the Titans offense it's also a secondary we are not scared of their number one corner Byron Murphy a 2019 second round pick who is at best at best league average whereas their other four corners behind him aren't even beyond fourth rounders. It is the fourth round plus, right? And so it's no one really you're scared of, no one that can even contend against A.J. Brown, who, like you said, rode a bike on Wednesday, we're not just sure, and Julio Jones, who in 10 career week one season openers has averaged six catches for 100 yards and 21 fantasy points. And that may seem like a narrative, I know, but also I consider it a pertinent split because Julio Jones, even last year, has always been great when healthy. And when is he the healthiest? Of course, week one, since he's played the veteran card the past four or five years and not participated fully in training camp and preseason games. So that is my take on the Titans offense is really that everyone is volatile and that could go in either direction, which I know isn't a hard stance, but literally it could be whatever or the exact opposite that you're wishing for. Yeah. Your thoughts, Rebar, it feels like it's going to be kind of a game of whack-a-mole to some extent, but like somebody's going to go off and it's pretty thin. Like the target tree is pretty thin. It's, it's going to be Brown. It's going to be Jones. And it's not one of those two. It's going to be Henry. Uh, how do we figure this out Rebar? And like, who do we prefer amongst the receivers? Do we care about, you know, what cornerback matchup is? And I know people obsess over that stuff. And I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the season, our various degrees of how much we care or don't care. But uh, if you had to pick one amongst those two receivers, who do you prefer this week? I mean, it's really, it's a Sophie's choice. Uh, if we're getting into <laughs> it. So, so one thing about this week is interesting is because the pricing was out so early, typically week one. 
there is no limitation to what you can do this week, just about. Like, if you want to play a player, you can play him. If you want to play three really good players, you can play them. It is not really difficult on either site with the way the pricing is, especially on DraftKings with the way the wide receiver pricing is. So we are going to see a lot of flat ownership week one, I believe. There are a lot of plays on the board. So I think we're going to have probably not a lot of week, uh, not a lot of players that really spike, you know, 30% ownership uh, over, you know, in that area. We're going to have a, a really dispersed, pool of players now the interesting thing about this is from a leverage stance we always typically look at the titans as a home favorite and want to play their passing game as leverage everyone wants to play their passing game and now we're in in the inverse pocket now where derrick henry is going to be way under owned versus the passing game in a game where they're at home they've got a 27 and a half point team total also when you look at this game it's tracking to be almost 90 degrees at kickoff and if you look at week one games that have been over 85 degrees especially in the recent years these games have all been like 50 plus points um so i mean we've got a chance for derrick henry running against the gas defense in 90 degree weather uh there are plays everywhere in this game uh find me a player you don't like in this game we could probably have that conversation because everyone's on the board they'll kind of hit upon the situation the cardinals in darquiz denard goes on ir malcolm butler goes on the retirement list they have one player in their secondary that played more than 81 snaps last year in coverage. And it was Byron Murphy, second year player. They have Robert Alford who didn't play last year, a fourth round rookie and Marco Wilson, who was awful in Florida his senior year. Something they tag Gowan and Luke Barco. I mean, these aren't even real people. Uh, they sound like 18 members or 18 They're Madden uh, franchise creative players in the 30th year. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is kind of just like, who do you want to play? I mean, you look at it and they don't have anybody on the back end to guard either of these players. Both guys are, are alpha prob, prob potential uh could all go off uh, and the other side too th- th- find a player in this game you don't want to play maybe james connor i mean aj green i mean he's i mean if you said people I'm gonna are gonna take, play him if you said i want to take a shot a shot at dj green I, listen kyler murray in this game is set up just as well one he's a road quarterback so he's gonna have probably more predictive value right in this game uh before he got injured last year he had the most points in nfl history through 10 weeks of an nfl season he averaged 29 fantasy points per game i believe he's the qb1 in redraft this week um and if you look at in games that he's played against subpar defenses and the tennessee titans were 27th in pass epa and the only upgrades they've made were getting a 32 year old janoris jenkins uh you know kyler murray in those situations against bottom half defenses an average 260 passing yards per game 7.8 passing yards per attempt versus 6.4 yards per attempt and 220 passing yards per game otherwise I mean this is a bonanza play him if you got him situation you can game stack this game a million different ways there is not a player I don't think that you could really kind of talk me out of except for maybe one of the Cardinals running backs uh, being road dogs but even on DraftKings Chase Edmonds is 4600 there is at least some stacking potential with him too it is just wild uh the potential of this game it's gonna be the chalkiest game but even as I say chalkiest game the ownership's not gonna be wild this week no one's gonna be like no one's gonna break the bank in ownership there's just too many plays on the board there's so many players that are cheap. You mentioned, like, I talked about A.J. Green. Like, Rondell Moore is still a minimum of 3K. Like, he's not even – I think Moore is the better play over Green when you consider uh, – well, everybody's going to look cheap. That's the thing. When everybody's cheap, and then it's just it's, – it throws the whole thing off. You have to – you really have to like your lineups this week. It's hard to make a lineup this week and not, like, look at it and say, this guy – this has a chance. <laughs> if you're making lineups you don't like, you're doing something wrong. You can make distinctly contrarian lineups and still like your lineups. Uh, by the way, the tight ends. We're not playing the tight ends, right? How about that? We could throw those away. I mean, you're the the cart, not the Cardinals guys. Yeah, yeah. For, I guess, yeah. I guess, Berkser. <laughs> well, I, I mean, 
I mean, Berkshire only played in on third downs and passing snaps in the preseason. Like the one time he came onto the field in 12 personnel for Tommy Hudson in the preseason was when Hudson actually got injured in the first quarter. And then when Hudson came back in the second quarter, Ferkser got taken off the field. Having said that, you have to understand the situation. The Cardinals were still first in neutral game script and pace last year. So like, of course, this is a game the Titans need to keep their foot on the gas and throw the ball as well. So like, although we perceive Ferkser's role, like it probably increases because of the game that's happening right now. So like why the hell not yeah, i mean three two on dk yeah and he's four seven on FanDuel. and like, of course he has a ceiling because he's been a good player like he's been a good receiver <laughs> and i mean this is one stat that i've heard, heard over and over again is about chase Edmonds, but one carry in his career inside the five yard line mm-hmm. and you know touchdowns matter <laughs> touchdowns right. are important and you know the most important thing i don't care about your talent right it's opportunity uh just you got to be on the field no matter how good people may, may think chase Edmonds in is maybe he's great like he's got a lot of talent you got to get on the field and if you're not in the field you can't score so i, I don't know and do we know is is connor presumably going to be the goal line guy that seems to make make, make sense but we i guess we have to see it first Dagel. uh as far as connor and Edmonds are is it even worth messing with as far as week one of course if you're running out 150 lineups Sure, you can get a piece there if you're doing a little game stack. I get it. But is this something we have to dig into right now? In the preseason, it was still, and training camp reports, it was still Chase Edmonds is like the 70-30 guy. And maybe most likely James Conner is the goal line third down back. But again, that's most likely. We don't know. For the volatility reason, now is the time you play him. But like also, I'm more concerned about Chase Edmonds because Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore had a (laughs) 1.3 yard depth of target in the preseason. And that's not even a negative against him. Like that's how you want to use him because you want to pound him volume because 71% of his collegiate receiving yardage came after the catch. And so even if Cliff King whether he's doing this intentfully or as a mistake the fact is like Ron Dumore cannot be used incorrectly because this is what he's done for his entire career also to have nine targets and three carries on 44 or 47 of his preseason snaps from the slot like he's the guy who takes away targets from Chase Edmonds too and that's more or less why I worry about the running backs in the situation not because of the battle they are in themselves so more is kind of like an extension of the running game, like wide receiver screens and a free point on DK, basically. Is that what you're suggesting? In my player take that I've been doing the past five months of my life, yes, that's what I believe. Yeah, so there are three rookie wide receivers that are 3K on DK. Yes. Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, <laughs> and Terrace Marshall. I believe Rondell Moore is the best play of the three. Uh, I believe Elijah Moore is the highest ceiling of the three, but he also comes with a little bit of volatility in that game. I think Rondell Moore, with like we said, he's – Debo Samuel, he's LaVisca Chenault. He's going to get these free touches on Y mesh and screens at 3K. And you're going to get some rushing attempts in there as well. So if you just get in the paint, I mean, he's got, I think he's got great floor and great upside. He's, he's viable in cash uh, extremely at 3K. And he's even, a, you know, a stacking partners game in a game stack environment. Um, like I said, I even think on DK, like I said, when you look at a 26 point team total for the Cardinals as a road dog, they're still going to be winging it. And like, if that is the role for Chase Edmonds at four, six there, like these, I'm not playing Rondell Moore and Chase Edmonds on FanDuel, but I think on DK, they still do absolutely fit, you know, kind of what you would do in this game. Like there's unique ways to stack this game all over because there really aren't guys we can objectively say, yeah, I don't want to play that guy. 
And, and uh, it's a it's a unique situation. Like I almost wish Elijah Moore would have been healthy all year because then we could have guaranteed his ownership would have been the highest. Like he was paying the NBC Sports Edge bills for two months because anytime <laughs> he was at training camp, like there was a blurb to be written about him. Connor Hughes, the Jets athletic reporter, even said like he showed up to training camp every day trying to watch someone else and he couldn't watch anybody else because Moore was always making a splash play. Whereas now instead not even more uh, uh, Rondell Moore. Everyone saw Terrace Marshall tear up the preseason because they played him with both the first string offense, that one game they played and the second string offense. And you know what a first round graded receiver does when he's healthy, he tears up second string defenses and people remember that. So like, that's why I think the ownership now is a little misconstrued. Um, having said that, maybe, I mean, you have ownership projections on your side, Dean, like I would think maybe Elijah Moore still comes in higher than the rest. Okay, so I have it pulled up right now, and bear in mind, it's Wednesday night. We're multiple days. Right, yes. Lots of stuff is going to change. We currently have Rondell Moore at 3.4% owned. Uh, Terrence, yeah, I, I think that's wrong. <laughs> uh, Terrence, Terrence Marshall at 1.5%, also 3K. I think that's wrong as well. He's getting a lot of buzz. Um, I'm just trying to see. Oh, Callaway. We, so we have Callaway at 36%. At, at three, He's not a stone minimum, but he's 3.4K mm-hmm. with New Orleans. And, you know, obviously a lot of targets opening up with Thomas being gone. Uh, but there's a quarterback wide receiver matchup we have to talk about. Um, yeah, Marvin Jones is another one of those GBs at 3.6K. And Pittman is what, 4 yeah. 1 at 19.7%. Yeah, DraftKings so. just has a slew of dudes that are under 4K. Like all of them. All of them. Yeah. I will say this, though. On Wednesday, I think I'm willing to say on Wednesday pretty firmly on DraftKings, I believe a lot of people will be playing these cheap receivers and jamming in. Dalvin Cook with Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara with Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and you can still get an elite receiver at 7K-ish around the, those guys with those guys because Kyle Pitts is 4-4-2. I do believe that Derrick Henry on DraftKings will be single-digit percent owned. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The weird thing with Henry is he's more of a FanDuel play. He doesn't catch the ball, doesn't get the full point you know, for PPR. And, uh, but he has legit PPR ceiling. Only Christian McCaffrey has more 30-point PPR games than Derrick Henry over the last two years. He legit still has a PPR ceiling because he scores so many touchdowns. He busts off the 80-yarder. Who cares if he doesn't catch the ball? I'm, three, just you know, saying, three or four times. Yeah. I'm just saying we have the same argument multiple times for year where Derrick Henry's chalk, mm-hmm. and we say the pivot is the passing game. Literally, we have the one time, the one time everyone's on the Tennessee passing game. That's I uh, I ran I ran a hundred or so optimals again. This is Wednesday night, brain assault, uh, and this is on Fanduel. And Fanduel, this is where the scoring system favors Henry Moore. You know they prioritize touchdowns. He scores touchdowns. They you know subdue catches, and he landed in fifty two percent of the lineups. Derrick Henry, that is. So, so I'm looking at Roto Grinders projections. They have Derrick Henry projected for the fifth highest points on the slate at running back, and that's behind Austin Eckler, who now may not make it. <laughs> I, and he's probably going to be single digit out. He's going to have less than half the ownership of those three guys I named off Cook, McCaffrey, and Kamara. Cause it's so easy to get two of those guys. Hell, I'm doing it. I'm going to play those two guys. I'm going to play two of those three guys easy. I'm just saying, from a leverage stance, it is a spot where Derrick Henry makes a lot of sense. Huge and, home favorite in the heat, fourth quarter, Henry. And, and honestly, like you have the numbers on your side, Reeves. Uh, I don't have these right now, but we know that Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry spike together. Um, they have multiple times, including last year right. and the past two years. And so it is very interesting because there really isn't, perhaps is the time where Derrick Henry's ownership percentage as well as production 
is a good middle situation. It's usually either you fade him and he buries you or you don't play him and he kills you because it's either one or the other. Like immense 20 plus point games, like you mentioned, or single digit points game. We're at that number, eight, 9% roster, right? Um, That's actually a good middle ground for Henry. If he reaches like 16 to 18 points, you would feel very safe with that. I should say I was not using like the rotor grinders uh, projections. I was using, uh, you can plug in Derek Cardi's, the blitz. And those numbers are going to be different. So maybe that's why we're looking at two different things as far as. Well, I'm also not, I'm speaking strictly from how I believe people are going to approach building lineups on DraftKings this week because of the wide receiver values, whereas FanDuel, it's a lot different. Like you're, yeah. you don't, you don't have the same opportunity to play min price floor PPR receivers on FanDuel. There are values on FanDuel, but it's not as abundant. There's not a plethora of floor plus guys like there is on DK. I just believe on DK because the receiver value that has opened up uh, over the course of the end of the summer is that it's going to be so easy to play two of those top three guys. Those, those three running backs, I believe are going to dwarf the position and ownership cook Kamara and, and CMC. The interesting thing is that on DK, traditionally like in your cash games and your floor games uh, you have, you, you get as many opportunities you want to lock in all the touches. So you have like a, th- a third running back. But what I'm seeing, the optimals are spinning out because of the conversation we're talking about, how wide receivers are so You can cheap. get Stephon Diggs you're, with you're, those two guys. Like, it's not even hard. You play four receivers, one Devontae Adams, or you're like the Diggs, like you said, and you're still getting, you know, Cook or you're getting CMC. It's, you know, there's a salary cap, but not really. Like, there is. You can't get everybody, but it's, it's you're going to get really just monster teams. Like, don't get too comfortable with, with the way the salary cap is right now. It's going to get tighter as the season progresses. All right. Let's move on to game number two on our three games that we feature. Kansas City, the Chiefs in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's getting six points. Big monster total, 54 and a half. I'm going to yield the Reeves here in this one because this is your uh, your hometown. Is it your hometown team, Cleveland? Your current your current team in Cleveland. Talking about the Browns versus uh, KC. Yeah, I guess technically wouldn't the hometown team be in Baltimore now? I mean, not to rub anyone the wrong way, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, too soon. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, but I think that the interesting thing, there's a, I think this is a really good game. It, it might end up being a real better football game than fantasy game, but I think there are a lot of great storylines heading into the season for both these teams. Uh, one is, I think the story that came that happened last year is just how teams approach trying to defend the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they faced more more too high safety looks than any team uh, in the NFL last season. No team ran more cover four in the season, last year than the Browns. Now, the Browns were kind of forced to do that because they just had so many injuries on defense uh, that to plug so many holes and, and have so many band-aids over their coverage unit, especially their safety play, everything's been updated. They got add John Johnson, uh, Grant Delpit. They revamped their lineup. They added a good coverage linebacker, Anthony Walker. They had Troy Hill. They had Jadavian Clowney up front. Uh, they get Andrew Billings back, uh, who sat out last year. It's going to be a completely different defense. So it's going to be interesting to see how they approach defending the Kansas City Chiefs because if they're going to sit back and play a lot of two-high safety and cover four, no player in the NFL had more receptions against two-high safeties and cover four than Travis Kelsey last year. He had seven or more catches in his last 11 games played last year. Uh, that is the second most in NFL history, the second longest shut streak. And it, Travis Kelsey is already a great player. If you're going to sit back and play two-high safeties, it's going to take an already great player that is dominant in that area of the field and just accentuate, accentuate him. And that's what we saw last year. So and the other element that too is if they if teams come out and do that, the Chiefs have revamped their offensive line a little bit. And if you're going to sit back and play coverage against them, they're probably going to run a lot more than they did last year too. They started to do that last year and the offensive line deteriorated them. You remember the, the season opener against Houston, Houston did that and they just ran all game. 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes had won his lowest A dots all year in that game. Then they played Buffalo in the rain, and Buffalo played two high safeties all game. Again, they ran on them all game. And then their offensive line kind of deteriorated afterwards. Clyde Edwards-Alaire got injured uh, after that, and they kind of moved away from the run game in those situations. The other thing that they did, too, is while teams wanted to protect themselves from giving up the deep ball to Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs, being a smart team and forward-thinking team, said, we're going to change exactly how we use Tyreek Hill. Uh, the first nine games of the season, he had almost a 15-yard average at the target, 14.6 yards, uh, and he averaged just 6.8 targets per game because he was reliant on downfield shots. After that, they said, hey, if you want to sit up high, we're going to take our best player and move him. His dot dropped down 11.5 yards. His targets went up to 11.3. He became more of a yak volume guy, which is absolutely terrifying for a guy as a talented as Tyreek Hill you don't Tyree kill the big rub against him is ADP pairs was he was a guy that get the target volume compared to the Devonte Adams of the world just Von Diggs of the world you give Tyree kill double digit targets per game we are cooking with pure gasoline uh and that's what happened so I mean I am very curious to see how teams approach trying to defend the Kansas City Chiefs I don't believe the Super Bowl was indicative of a way like teams can replicate success because you have to have a front four that can get home uh, uh consistently like that and this also is the same offensive line we saw in the Super Bowl I believe that was just a one-off unfortunate situation for them and they ran into the worst opponent at the time to exploit that weakness in that game so I am very curious to see how teams approach defending the Kansas City Chiefs coming into the season. Nigga, what do you think how are uh, how's Cleveland approach us how are they going to try to defend or suppress uh, Kansas City and who's going to best take advantage of it? Yeah, it wasn't just a defensive effort either. Like the, just the fact that Chiefs lost both their starting right tackle or starting tackles before that Super Bowl was was meant everything whereas recall this game that happened in the divisional round last year uh the browns did pass at a 64 percent rate in neutral game script but also it was thrown out of whack from the beginning just everything that happened the chiefs had four possessions in the first half and they scored on all four so by the time the browns came out of the locker room they were down 19 to 3 and had no choice but to literally do everything they don't want to do they had to throw the ball and just the fact that all of those defensive additions in the offseason that Reeves mentioned um, not to mention going back to the game script they want to do like even in that game that total was 55 and a half and they combined for 39 points I think that's exactly the game they want to play because when they did have the ball in that game they took per established runs, Pat Thorman, 30 second, 36 seconds in between snaps. They were literally hogging the ball and trying to keep it out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes, even though, like I said, he scores on limited possessions because it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs <laughs> offense. But that's what they want to do. And so I think they will try to grind it out and run it down their throats. And I genuinely think they'll have a much better chance of doing so now that everyone is back healthy and at full force. So uh, betting-wise, this is not a betting show, but betting-wise – uh, I may have a little bit on the Browns plus six and the under, and um, I'm quite confident in the Browns here. Betting on the under, man. That's that's betting against fun. Oh, wait, <laughs> it's dumb. It's stupid. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but I mean, look, they put them, they pumped that number up pretty high, 54 and a half. What about the Cleveland offense, Dale? Dale, do you like um, Beckham coming back? What was it, an ACL, I believe? They're saying he's recovering miraculously, and the reports are good. Uh, if you want to bring back your, your play in Mahomes and, and Hill or something like that, Beckham seems like the perfect bring back. Uh, is that something we're interested in? 
I, I generally don't have a take. That's why I'm curious if Reeves has a take on the offense. Like we know that in the six healthy games Beckham played last year, he led in all the categories you want to chase. Like he only averaged 14 fantasy points per game, which is not what you want from a player drafting with such high draft capital in fantasy or paying up for in DFS unless the salary gets that low. But overall, red zone targets, end zone targets, target share, air yards, like Baker Mayfield was throwing to him. It was more of an anomaly and the fact that their schedule got easier is that Baker Mayfield broke out without Beckham. Uh, do not buy in to that lazy take that the Browns are just better without Beckham. And also, <laughs> you're never going to go this route because, you know, Kelsey's 8,300 on DK, for instance. There are a lot of cheap guys that DK got wrong who are probably going to play most of the snaps that you'll just shove into cash games to make sure you get CMC and Dalvin Cook. But also, like, Austin Hooper was second on the team in targets, and that's when he was healthy, by the way, before he went through that injury and COVID stretch, um, whenever Beckham was there for six games. So I don't really have a strong lean. I think Beckham would be the play overall. I would just say that perhaps we are underrating. And again, he's probably not going to be in any of my tournament lineups since I think this game is going under. But I think we're underrating the ceiling that Nick Chubb has because when he came back from injury, he did actually out-touch Kareem Hunt 183 to 119 from that point forward and a much larger touch share touch share and in the postseason had nine targets to three months too they were basically letting him play third downs more often and so he does have a higher ceiling than i think we perceive long term but in this one game dfs i probably like won't have much of him this week anyhow all right your thoughts we are as far as the browns and yeah they're gonna be trying to play keep away I guess Chubb is interesting and maybe just play Chubb solo. I don't know. Or play Chubb with just Hill and not necessarily think uh, Mahomes is a monster game or something like that. Your thoughts as far as the Browns? Yeah, I think it's tough to tough to make an objective case for anyone outside of Chubb. Maybe Kareem Hunt, if the game script goes the opposite direction that, that Daigle believes it is. Uh, I believe the Browns offense is a shot to be a lot better than people think. It just, how does it get divvied up? It feels like a, it's very spread out. Uh, Odell Beckham, even while he was leading in all those categories in the Browns team, he still was averaging a career low 3.8 receptions and a career low 53.2 yards per game. The Chiefs have notoriously been really good against wide receivers the last couple of years. Um, they were really good against wide receiver ones last year. They were seventh in points per game allowed. Uh, they were sixth in receptions uh, allowed per game. Uh and, and you look at in 2019, they were even fourth in yards per target allowed to wide receivers. Last year, they were fifth. So they've been kind of sneakily good against wide receivers on a, even an efficiency basis, especially when you think about how often teams have to throw on them. Um, but Daigle hit the kind of the nail on the head around Cream, uh, not Cream Hunt, uh, Nick Chubb, is that Nick Chubb was still really good in that game last year. They were just scripted out of the run a little bit. He still averaged 5.3 yards per carry when he ran the football in that game. But he had just 13 carries. It was the second lowest total over his 10 games returning from injury. If the Browns can stick around and run the football more, that gives him a lot more upside. You're obviously banking on the game script to get you there. Uh, but if you want to stack this game, it's not hard. We already told you about the pricing. I mean, you can fit uh, anyone. You can easily fit in Kelsey, uh, Tyreek, Mahomes with Nick Chubb. Uh, if you want to add Austin Hooper, you could even do that. And you have Kelsey be your flex. I mean, it's really easy to do that as well. Uh, I don't know how much rollover we'll see something like the Chiefs had against defending tight ends last year. They were dead last in red zone success rate allowed to targets the tight ends last year. It didn't help Hooper in the playoff game, but it, it existed. Uh, they did add Nick Bolton this offseason. I think he's a really, uh, he was a good draft pick at the time. I'm curious to see what his role will be 
with that team uh, to start the season. But when you look at the Browns, I believe it's like collectively, we believe the offense is going to be good and it could be even a lot better than it was to close last season when they hit their stride. Uh, it's just very hard to look at the individual components and say from a DFS stance, I want to play these guys outside of the game stack situation. This is why side note, I love doing this show with y'all because, and Reeves, like, I'm sure it's been on a lot of his shows as well. Like how much I've talked about the Browns and 49ers, the best bets this off season, because their regular season schedule is just so simple. And then we get back into like week by week analysis and it's completely unique. This is amazing. I'm just enjoying myself is all I'm saying. So here's like one of my quandaries. I think DPJ, like Donovan People Jones, People's Jones, I should make it plural. It's more than one person apparently, but uh, he's 3k. He's still minimum on DK, but like, again, this is, this is like MME, you're running 150, you're playing the million makers, something like that's where it's a, you know, a big, a big payday up top. Like you're not in theory, you wouldn't roster him in front of the aforementioned Rondell Moore, who's 3k or Marshall or, or Elijah Moore, most likely, or guys that are right there, you know, Callaway, but like, why can't DPJ, even the game is, it gets, gets like in the junk zone. Like he's a guy, I think he's competent. I think he's a decent receiver. He's going to be in the field a good bit. I, I'm not here to make the case. And like, it's just the slate and the salaries, right? And, you know, Daniel, it, it just sort of like discouraged. It discourages playing these guys, but that's why maybe you're supposed to play just some random person like this because nobody else is going to do it. I, I'm not going to play him. And okay. I could be, I could be very well wrong. I just want to say that out before I start saying my next spiel, but uh, it, we know the Browns are a run heavy offense. Like even if you take out the weather stricken games and they had three of them last year where like their offense was in shambles because of course the winds were 60 miles an hour <laughs> at their face or the rain was pounding the ball down every time baker mayfield lobbed in anywhere um they still average just 32 pass attempts per game and you compare that to someone like dak prescott who averaged 50 and a half pass attempts per game in his five games someone like patrick mahomes from week eight on averaged 43 attempts it's like just volume that you have you literally have to bet on and then bank efficiency. Otherwise it doesn't matter anyhow, but to your point, I will say that if the game goes over, if you think the game goes over, then DPJ of course could make an impact because also Beckham, we know his injury returning, even though everything sounds good, green light for week one, who knows what happens? Who knows if he's not limited. And then Rashad Higgins has also been dealing with a little leg injury as well. So, uh, DPJ has apparently outplayed Higgins anyways in the preseason. Um, beat reporters have raved about him every single day. And so maybe maybe that's the case. Again, I'm, I'm not going to play him. But if in the 150s, I don't also do 150 lineups, uh, perhaps. I make a Chiefs lineup every slate. I don't care. That's and fair. I, I mean, I at least make one Chiefs game stack regardless of the slate. If you were to make one right now, I'm not going to hold you to it. Like, what would it look like? I mean, I, I could guess, but what would it look like? I'm going to play sort of runbacks. Yeah, I'm going to play the three Chiefs and, and Nick Chubb. Yeah. Okay. The three Chiefs being, I presume. Uh, well, yeah. Is, is that Kelsey and Hill with Mahomes? I assume. Yeah. yeah. All right. And it's it, it's a it's a rough front seven. Like he's not going to get there this week. But I will say that, and it's such a small sample. So maybe what am I doing? I'm just talking myself in circles here, but I will say that in like the couple of drives that Patrick Mahomes is available for this preseason, Clyde Edwards Hilaire until his ankle injury did play every third down with Mahomes. Like uh, the way people wanted Antonio Gibson used is exactly how Edwards Hilaire was used. And so there's like a, there's a little ceiling here because that's the role he needs to have to become a top five, top six running back, maybe even top two if Dalvin Cook doesn't get there, who knows? But like he was actually used that way when healthy. And the fact they cut Darwin Thompson tells us subtly he's healthy. Uh, so there's a little sneakiness there involved. 
Dago, was I uh, was I just being silly? No, Rebar, was I being silly, or was was, was Dago being too nice here? Was that a ridiculous? What what am I throwing out? DPJ uh, week one when the salaries are so soft. He was he was just being nice to me. He was basically saying like, "What are you doing? That's a terrible thing to throw." I out did there. say I wasn't going to play him. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's as mean. One. That's as mean as I can be, Dean, because I love you. That's as mean it's as week I can one. be. Listen, DPJ as mean was as you want. He was a hot topic, uh, you know, off all off season. Maybe the game share. I mean, the Browns are a team that did not run a lot of three wide receiver sets last year. Uh, they were actually ninth in terms of rate of twelve personnel run. Now that could have just been a byproduct of their wide receiver situation, losing Odell uh, during the course of the season, not really having Donovan People Jones, you know, step up through his rookie season yet. He was still a guy kind of getting his 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 kind of NFL legs under him. Rashard Higgins played well, so maybe we'll see them play more, uh, you know, three wide receiver sets. This is the glory of Week One, right? Like all of our priors, all of our priors are going to get smashed. We don't, because we think we're predicting this stuff, but it's a new season. The Browns could come out and play a lot of three wide receiver sets and not play a lot of 12 personnel. We believe that they still will because it's in Kevin Stefanski's blood and the DNA of that offensive scheme, but you never know. I mean, those things can happen. I mean, so uh, week one, Hey, it it can always crush (laughs) And again, Dean, Dean, this is why I like doing the show with you because uh, I am a mid to high stakes single entry player. I love putting decisions onto people because I love making decisions and think I'm fairly average, at least at them. Um, Whereas you're a 150 guy because you like putting your exposures in there. And so it's just completely different approach. And so like, I don't, I'm just talking out my ass. I have, I have no idea. Like maybe DPJ, because you are stacking in a way three chiefs, that's the one player you bring, even if it's four lineups. I mean, if you win with one of those four lineups, you still win money, right? Because that's the whole point. So, like, you you may have nailed it on the head. I'm just thinking in my head, like, you know, this is the kind of player you like in week eight, week nine, week 10, when you don't find anything in the 3K area. But, again, it's, it's a totally different slate. So, it's probably goofy. And I should clarify, I'm not a 150 guy. I am somebody like you. I love the single entry, the three entry. The oh, I love them so much. That's my favorite. Like, that, that's yeah. kind of my wheelhouse. But I will be playing 150 on Yahoo this week because you know they're Ooh. running that they're running that contest where it's 10 bucks to jump in, no overlay, and it's a flat payout. So I'm I'm planning on running 150, 100k to first, I believe it is. So I, I don't know if that was a plug that you snuck in there, but if it was, good job, buddy. <laughs> we do have a sponsor for the show, but it's not Yahoo. It just kind of came up organically, which we'll get to. Well, we in got, a second. We're gonna have to get a new one now. Yeah. <laughs> just a shout out to Yahoo. I just you know, and it may overlay, and you don't get overlay so much these days in 2021 of a. DFS and I've been around the years of overlays, you know, seven, eight years ago where it was just beautiful. Uh, all right. So whenever you can get it these days, you, you pounce for sure. Last game before we, you know, dig into our favorite plays at each position. Uh, and I, I'm, this is clearly I'm behind on time. I, I, I have like a, my game clock managing skills is like, uh, it's week uh, one. We're all learning. It's okay. or... We're excited to be back. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's throw this one to, uh, well, Dago, you can talk about this. And last one, as far as our three games we're featuring, Buffalo Bills at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's getting six and a half points. 48 and a half is the total. Uh, well, just from the start, the Pittsburgh side, like, and this is like a general thought. And like, I just like, the, and I know this is not like an original thought. And this is like where I've always been. Like you want the quarterbacks that have legs, right? Sure. Guys like Big Ben and Matt Ryan are going to have those like, you know, three and 300 kind of games or four and 400 kind of games. But I don't know how to play <laughs> the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world. Uh, in 2021, where he's just immobile, and like, and, and he ever wants to help sneak one in for a yard or two, that does happen as well. But it's, I just have a really hard time clicking that button, and maybe that's uh, on me, and maybe that's my fault. And I probably should consider those kind of guys. And again, with this kind of week where the salary, you know, it's everything's kind of opened up, you want to kind of get one of the six or seven guys that can run for you know 50 yards, run a couple of touchdowns in. So, talk about the Steelers first, talk the Bills in a second, but. Is that your general thought as far as Big Ben as well? And of course, he's old and who knows how well he can throw the ball these days. But 
Yeah, I'm concerned. Yeah, when, when I email you in a game the Bills are involved in, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger or another quarterback, just know I'm not talking about Ben Roethlisberger. I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably more interested in the other quarterback. But nonetheless, that means I'm interested in a game stack. And uh, I think it sucks because DFS players are too sharp nowadays. I think this game's going to catch on. But this is sneakily one of my favorite overs of the entire week. And I don't even know if the Steelers get there. I just know their floors are safe. Whoever you want to run the Bills offense back with. Uh, you asked about the Steelers offense. Deontay Johnson, team high, 26% target share and 10 and a half targets per game in the 13 starts. He either avoided injury or being benched for. Also, Najee Harris... The fact that Anthony McFarlane got moved to the IR, like even when James Conner was healthy last year, Benny Snell averaged seven and a half routes per game. Benny Snell is not a pass catching running back. So we know Najee Harris is going to do that role. Not to mention Najee Harris, like Rich, Rich is the archetype guy and Najee Harris is much larger than Benny Snell. So he also has by the Steelers coaching staff spectrum, the goal line role as well. I don't know if he comes off the field at all, Najee Harris. And so, like, anytime you want to run a bill stack, and as we know in a slate with Patrick Mahomes, Russ Wilson, everyone else you can name, of course Josh Allen has the same ceiling, if not higher, if you want to try to go under ownership if he gets there and plays him. And you can legitimately run back Najee Harris, in my opinion, because he has six to ten catches in his range of outcomes because he won't come off the field in negative game script. And... I think that's what happens here. Uh, I'm probably going to take some of Rich's points, but to be fair, Steven Nelson, Mike Hilton cut this off season. And those are two guys who were in the Steelers three starting corners from last year's nickel package. Bud Dupree, of course, went to the Titans and TJ Watt practiced with the first time today, this afternoon and the last five weeks. So I think they come off slow. I don't think the defense is respectful anyhow, as everyone else perceives, a shadow of themselves of last year. And that's why I kind of think the Bills just put the points on, and then we take the high-floor Steelers player, whomever you want to pick. All right, jump in here, Rich. Your thoughts as far as uh, Pittsburgh. Do you have a favorite amongst the, the their trio of receivers? Is, this, is it the same, Deontay Johnson? No, it's not Deontay Johnson. Uh, just from a matchup stance, I don't think he, he really suits – what the where the bills you know kind of give up production i mean unless it changes because it and we could be this is another team another team in very much transition i mean if you watch the steelers at all this preseason uh they use jet motion on 60 percent of their snaps they use play action 23 percent of the time those marks were 44 percent, and they use play action 9.6 percent of the time last year it was an absolute joke in the preseason in the preseason ben roethlisberger and the little bit sample that we had of him he used play action on 20 percent of his dropbacks so double the 20 percent is not legally but it's double what we got last year and he was also <laughs> under center for 38 percent of his preseason dropbacks that mark was just 21 percent a year ago this is going to be a new Steelers offense you know we'll we'll remember the way the Steelers ended last year that's why Randy Fickner got fired the, the like the, their offensive performance to be so one note and so mon, so mundane in terms of not being a creative offense on any level with the type of talent they had. That's how you get a coach fired. And we've already seen that they're going to do some different things this year. They add Pat Firemuth. They're probably going to play a little more 12 personnel than what they played. We've already seen him work his way into like a, a goal line package with the first team offense. We've seen that already. They've showed it to us. He caught two touchdowns with the first team offense in the preseason. We know they're going to run the football more and they, we know they don't have a good offensive line, but when you can do all the things that I just highlighted jet motion and, you know, play action, 
that's how you make a bad offensive line a little bit better. Is it going to make them elite? No, absolutely not. But it's going to make that bad offensive line look a little better and create some more splash plays than you would have gotten just trying to ramrod the same approach that they tried to do at the end of last season that got their coach fired. Uh, so this is a team that's going to be a little bit different. We've already heard them say they're going to not play Juju Smith-Schuster exclusively in the slot last year uh, like, he did, like he did last year. He's been talking about it basically to anyone that wants to listen. Uh, you know, he, he was stuck in the slot 85% of the time last year. It was a career high. He had a career low depth of target. The only receivers that had a lower depth of target than Juju Smith-Schuster last year were Isaiah Wright, Isaiah McKenzie, and Debo Samuel. Uh, that's, that's not the kind of player Juju Smith is now. Is he a guy that's going to consistently win downfield? No, he's not. But that's also, you don't want him just catching, uh, passes six yards beyond the line of scrimmage either. Cause he is a guy that can do some things after the catch as well. And we saw that early in his career. So he's probably going to play out more outside more. Uh, we know that Chase Claypool is a guy that is going to take a step forward in terms of usage of what he had last year. And he's an archetype of player that you just bet on. Right. Like you, 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 it's like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockhart. You just look at like offenses are always going to kind of glom on to the Chase Claypool archetype and explore that ceiling. And he's because he's that kind of alpha if he can get there. So I'm really curious to see how this this distribution is play out in terms of snaps, where these guys line up, uh, who gets the types of targets, because they're all good players. And the offense is going to be completely different. I don't think we can roll over exactly what they did last year. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how it plays out. That said, if they do something similar, I mean, Deontay Johnson's a guy who has really never played in the slot in his career. Uh, 87% of his career snaps have been outside. The Bills, their weakness is basically in defending the interior and interior receivers. Uh, so if that rolls over, it obviously would help a guy like Juju if he's in the slot more. It remains to be seen. Also, Juju has led the team in end zone targets. He's been foxhole guy. Like, even as bad as he was, he gets, he gets the money looks. Uh, so, I mean, I would say if I would pick a guy – it would be Claypool just for the archetype because we want to stack this game and the Bills are going to do their part because the Bills aren't going to line up and run the football at all in this game. They don't care. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to get there. Or Bills, yes. Yeah. I mean, so that's, so that, I mean, you're looking at it. I mean, say, I say if I want to run a Steelers receiver, I'm probably going to rank them this week, Claypool, uh, Juju, Deontay. Uh, could totally be wrong because no one knows. It's like I said, this is a week one situation that no one really has an answer to right now. It's a little bit of guesswork on our part. I, I also I also like Claypool for the volatility. Um, from week 12 on, he played only 62% of their snaps. He averaged a 16% target share. And then right before the wild card round, when they got decimated by the Browns, um, Mike Tomlin actually admitted to the media, he even said it was because they wanted to bench Claypool to rest because the rookie wall had hit him. And the rookie wall, of course, is like, whatever you want it to be it's 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 a spirit it's whatever religion you have it's just it's, it doesn't matter like it's whatever you literally believe in and Tomlin admitted that he believed in the rookie wall whereas Claypool though when he was in there in the season did catch or at least have he caught 10 of 31 targets 20 plus yards downfield but if he came off the field from week 12 on that tells us if he's more of a full-time player and we don't know rich even said we have no idea what it is but let's just pretend like you're right because if you play chase claypool in dfs you have to pretend you're right um if he's on the field more and thus getting more downfield targets because he's a full-time player that's a player i want to buy into not only because his archetype but because we want players with his archetype who get more downfield targets the most volatile but also the ones that pay off mm -hmm. because especially if they come with volume and so that's that is a player i would love to buy into for sure 
Yeah, speaking of volume, uh, Harris, 6.3K, like he's projected to be a bell cow back for not a bell cow price. Uh, and it was also a guy, that, like you said, he can catch passes as well. The modeling after Le'Veon Bell, the good it's Le'Veon a bad Bell. price. You don't like that price. Are we talking about Najee Harris? Yeah. It's oh, a bad saying, price. You're saying it's 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 uh, too high oh, or too low? No, no. I, I think everyone knows it, it's like okay. it's a bad, it's too low, bad price. Um, especially and again, they did it before uh the week one. So thus, like Anthony McFarland, their only other option to catch passes is now on IR. He's out for three games. It's only Benny Snell. They cut Jalen Samuels, who everyone likes to make fun of Jalen Samuels. But remember, we were on this show three years ago talking about Jalen Samuels as a fun back to roster in DFS because he would get 11 carries and 11 targets and we play him every <laughs> single week for 4,500. Um, no, Najee Harris, I cannot imagine a scenario, even if they're down by 24 points where he comes off the field. Yeah, I mean, and again, like you're going to be saying, everybody, there's a lot of good prices this week, but his price seems a little bit egregious, especially if he's a back. You just don't get him these days. A back doesn't come off the field, uh, and he's going to catch passes as well on DK. And like you can only roster so many players, but he's absolutely in my cash game pool. Not a lock necessarily, but feels like an awesome, awesome play. You guys talked about it, uh, Rebar. Let's talk about the Bills, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. That's going to be a lot of fun for sure. And they call plays like the way I play Madden. Like, I don't like running the ball in Madden. I just want to <laughs> chuck the ball. And that's just what they do, man. So, uh, and, you know, if they throw an incomplete pass, the, the, the clock is stopped. I love that as well. That's beautiful. You know, from a fantasy perspective, keep that game going as long as possible. Uh, talking about Allen and Diggs. And is that is that one of your favorites? Is that your favorite? You know, as far as the quarter, we talked about Kyler, uh, you know, with Hopkins. We talked about uh, – you know, uh, the Mahomes with Hill, can you compare the three Allen and Diggs? Like do you have a favorite amongst those three or it's, you know, again, Sophie's choice. Well, at the quarterback position, I think Allen is just an inter- interesting conversation, right? Cause we know the ceiling exists for him, but you know, if you were to pick a spot for him to potentially let down, this would be one of the more objective spots, right? So as good as Josh Allen was last year, and he was excellent. He was in the MVC, MVP conversation where he still ran into an issue was facing pressure. He went from 8.6 yards per attempt from a clean pocket to 6.6 yards per attempt under pressure. That was the 25th largest differential in the league. We saw the Chiefs both games. Spags dialed up blitzes and had him rattled. Uh, The Steelers have led the NFL in sacks in four straight seasons. They led the league in pressure rate again. TJ Watt, although he hasn't practiced with the first team in like the sense like Daigle said, he's been there working the entire Yes. The entire offseason. He's been at every practice. It was called holding in, whatever that be. But he, <laughs> he was there working. Like, this isn't a guy that just is coming from his house. Like, he was not, he was, he's not Zeke and Cabo coming off and, <laughs> and, and coming to play. Like, this guy's been there working uh, the entire offseason. So, I don't really think like his holdout is really kind of a, really anything to, to, to be part of like something I'm going to factor in. Uh, they do list some pieces piece in the secondary that, I mean, but like we're not fading Stefan Diggs in this game. Like I'll get to him in a second. Uh, so when these teams played last year, when the Steelers pressured Josh Allen and they pressured him on 48% of his dropbacks, Josh Allen was six of 20 passing for 3.3 yards per attempt and interception. When the Bills kept him clean that game, he was 18 of 23 for 172 yards, seven and a half yards per attempt, two touchdowns, just like his splits were over the course of the season. It all comes down to if what the Bills were able to do in the second half of that game where they kept him clean and they recalibrated their offense because he was awesome the second half of that game, and that rolls over to this matchup. If they learn something or if the Steelers learn something, the Steelers have shown us defensively multiple times that they're just going to do what they do. 
They're 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 just going to come out and play their off uh, defensive style. Whether Keenan Allen's catching 100 passes against their linebackers, they're going to keep doing it. Uh, so I would trust the Bills to probably pull out more recalibration from last year's matchup and be able to apply it to this year's matchup in the Steelers defense. I believe they're just going to come out and play that kind of their style of football. Just depends if they can get home or not. But the Steelers have allowed just three quarterback one scoring seasons over the past two years, not last year, the past two years. Allen was the QB 14 when they played last year. Uh, they have allowed just one top five scoring week over the past two years. If there was a week to say Josh Allen is not going to get there, this is as good as an objective spot to say like, all right, I can cheat on his ownership, maybe play some more Ryan Tannehill, uh, may, you know, because he's projecting to be a highly owned quarterback because he just came out and threw 23 passes in the preseason against the Packers second team defense and looked amazing. Didn't even let a ball at the ground, basically. And we know they're going to throw the ball over the yard. He comes with that rushing upside as well. He's basically their de facto goal linebacker. Uh, so I believe there is a, a little bit of variance with Josh Allen. And maybe he is a little higher owned than I'd like to see him this week. Uh, but Diggs, home run smash. This guy had double digit PPR points in every single game he played last year. The only wide receiver do so. He's like the wide receiver five on DK in terms of pricing. It's not even the highest priced guy. He roasted this team last time they played. He had six or more catches in every game, but one. Uh, he's just about as locked as you get as a PPR Gibraltar, as you can kind of hope for. Uh, he is a guy I would absolutely be having in a lot of lineups this week, uh, cash or tournament or otherwise. And he obviously averaged 12 and a half targets per game without uh, John Brown last year. And I understand Emmanuel Sanders steps into that role, but it's not John Brown. It's not the deep threat that he offered as well. So I think there's still a ceiling we haven't seen just yet, assuming regression doesn't happen. But again, that's why we're happy to move on because regression is the season long conversation, perhaps not the week to week analysis. Just took a peek at the chat over there on YouTube. What up, uh, what up, chat? Do like, do subscribe, turn on notifications. Are we doing this every single Wednesday night? Typically at nine o'clock on the East Coast. Tonight we're doing it at ten o'clock. But the, generally speaking, going forward, we're shooting for nine. We'll see. And I suggest everyone just watch at seven Pacific, because or participate at seven Pacific. It's a pretty great time, honestly. <laughs> hey man, you're looking forward. You got dinner at uh, what Gordon Ramsay's coming up. That's on layaway, right? Yeah. Even though my main event partner is literally passed out on the ground at seven thirty p.m. Next to me, so yeah. Oh, what a Vegas! Your... That's some Vegas rookie shit. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> trust me, I'm dealing with rookies, Reeves. I need you here. I really, I need your heart better, and I need you here. <laughs> Did he at least bring the the round two and bring a drink for you, or no? Yeah, he, he actually he, he's actually brought me three cucumber gins. They they're all right here, so I appreciate them nonetheless. And and that's a what? quality drink to stay in the game because you're hydrating at the same time. I know uh, I'm, I'm not a rookie. I'm 33 years old. I'm not a rookie. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. We also got liquid IVs. Again, not a rookie. We're like, we're ready to go. Hey, man, enjoy yourself. You're gonna, I'm assuming you're staying there until Sunday, right? You're watching the game somewhere on Sunday? No, like the, the regular season, Dean, the way it works, like uh, there's there's no time. I have to take a red eye back Saturday night. He's got um, games to blur. Not, not only games to blur, but uh, more Sunday morning show, 11 a.m. for everyone listening. Uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, if you want to tune in for the redraft conversation for start, sit, and like the biggest games of the week. And then also, not to mention blurbing throughout the day, and then the podcast at night where we recap the games that we watch. So the, it's, it's back to the regular season, buddy. This is like the best vacation, and this isn't even vacation. Like I'm actually drafting and like doing business with friends. So Amen. it's still Enjoy a good it. life. I still so good life. Yeah, the world's smallest violence playing for you working. Absolutely, today is... <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna break down uh, some some quarterbacks we've not talked about, some of our favorite running backs, some of our favorite receivers. Before we do that, do want to mention uh, Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market. 
the app where Daily Fantasy becomes a stock exchange, buy and sell shares of stock, uh, player stock in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit bonus up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. That's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Uh, and get this uh, just to start. Uh, if you don't turn a profit in this very first week, Jock Market will cover your losses in the very first event. Download Jock Market in the app or Play Stores or check out jockmarket.com. Again, use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S, for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit bonus. All right, um, Rebar, quarterbacks, let's open them up. Uh, Jalen Hurts in Atlanta, I love that kind of player, uh, you know, in the dome, on the carpet. You can play on my carte. There's some receivers that are super cheap. You want to pair them as well. Russ, I'm told they're going to let Russ cook once again. We'll see. Again, he's in a dome there in Indianapolis. Uh, Rodgers is back and playing football, not in New Orleans, unfortunately, but in Jacksonville. Love those dome games. Uh, just not the same. You know, of course, he can still throw four or five touchdowns. We'll see. Uh, your thoughts as far as some quarterbacks we've yet to talk about. Yeah, and most of the quarterbacks we talked about are going to make up my core. I am a low quarterback guy, and a lot was going to revolve around Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill, but I do like Jalen Hurts a lot. He will definitely be in my pool uh, because of the upside. You know, a lot of people still are hesitant on Jalen Hurts, right? There, there's It's volatile. He was a, a polarizing player all offseason in fantasy football. Some people just don't believe. His final four games last year still look a lot from efficiency stance, like Lamar Jackson's final four games looked as a rookie and no one wanted Lamar Jackson. So there still is some upside here. Jalen Hurts like fits the corollary of guys that have broke out in the past, like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, where people fade them because of the, their initial passing efficiency. Don't believe that kind of passing upside that those guys then showed existed. Um, you get him indoors against this new Dean Pease defense. Dean Pease is an aggressive play caller defensively he is going to blitz a lot and when you blitz a lot you're going to play a lot of man coverage with some subpar defenders this falcon secondary is not good enough to leave players on islands they eerily remind me of a situation like the jets a year ago although they aren't as good against the run and don't have a good of an interior front if they're going to blitz as much with that secondary, you're going to see a situation where receivers really cook them. And they cooked them last year when they didn't even blitz a lot and they didn't upgrade anything. They're just counting on AJ Terrell to take a step forward. Uh, but the, the the depth of this secondary is not good at all. Uh, I think it makes Devontae Smith a really good play uh, in terms of giving up a big play. Maybe we even see like Isaac Rigor or, or Quez Watkins be like cheap stacks. But I mean, Devontae Smith would be the guy I would kind of glom onto. Um, but this, this scheme change for the Falcons, I believe, is it going to be a net negative for their personnel this season uh so i do like jalen hurts a lot uh this week uh dago feel free to add on any of the guys we talked about anybody want to bring into the conversation as far as quarterbacks i mean according to twitter saying you know darnold's is going to be amazing this year and i kind of sort of get like you know uh you know second chance good spot in carolina which is worth talking about it's a revenge game this week i don't have much salary you need to say but for sure he's an interesting punt uh you know i'm interested in lawrence i'm interested in burrow i don't know how much i need them uh, Fitzpatrick, I like, you know, much more exciting with that offense there at Washington. So some guys to pair with as well. Uh, anything there, do anything for you, anybody that's worth talking about as far as quarterback? Honestly, not really. Uh, the core we talked about, including Jalen Hurts, is who I will be on. It'll probably only be two or three of those guys at most. Uh, Darnold, of course, has to achieve 300 yards to get the bonus on DK to even be relevant in this conversation. We did this all last year, Dean. Or you remember, we talked about it. Just the fact that last year, the difference between the quarterback 10 who finished as Lamar Jackson because the regression the Ravens hit, which is also why you should draft them all in redraft leagues this year. And the QB 20 was 5.2 points per game. 
whereas the five years prior to that was only 2.1 points per game between the QB 10 and QB 20. And that's because of the rushing upside yeah. and Darnold doesn't have the rushing upside. So you have to hope for 300 yards. And although out of a world of 8 billion people, 99.9.5% can't name two jet starting defenders. <laughs> it just like, it's something you don't want to bank on, honestly, especially when the best rushing quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, are in terrific matchups. So it's not really a situation I want to delve down because we learned our lessons last year and thus we should correct ourselves and do the proper thing. All right. Well, how about you open up running backs for us? Can you decide between uh, you might not have to, you can certainly run out two of these guys if you want to, because talk about how salary is pretty easy to make things work. Uh, Dalvin Cook, CMC, Kamara. Is there any sort of hierarchy amongst those three when you consider their specific matchups this week? I actually prefer Dalvin Cook. Uh, well, I should say confer, uh, prefer Dalvin Cook due to salary and everything involved because last year in week one, the Vikings' top four cornerbacks, their dime package, had nine combined career starts. They were just a bunch of defensive scrubs they drafted in the fourth round on because they hoarded picks and then didn't make any of them the correct picks and then also signed guys from UPS off the streets to play defense. Whereas this year, their dime package has a combined 282 career starts. Uh, they're far more experienced with a player with shutdown upside like Patrick Peterson, even though I understand he hasn't been really the island player you can put on the single best receiver on the opposing team that Patrick Peterson was in the past prior to his PED test but then you take this experienced secondary at least and you factor in their front seven that is not only top heavy but rich with depth Sheldon Richardson Michael Pierce Dalvin Tomlinson Daniel Hunter's return and then probably ever Everson Griffin and it just seems like a nightmare for the Bengals which is why I'm sad because I thought the Bengals offense was going to carry some ownership and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anymore given how poorly they performed in camp in the preseason and again everyone's just tuning in that's what they heard about so they don't understand the pace and the passing volume the Bengals had whenever Joe Burrow was under center so if you told me to, to pick one it is Dalvin Cook over Christian McCaffrey given everything involved especially for tournaments since you pretty much have to pick one because you need the ceiling running back to win also like you want to go to Jalen Hurts I think Mike Davis is a really good run back uh he's probably not going to get there 17 games he's a seventh year 28 year old who has not broken out at any point in his career so uh you're banking on a two percent probability to happen for 17 games but for DFS we only have Wayne Gallman who they said they want to use who are Rich and I have in redraft leagues, by the way, who they said they want to use strictly on special teams. So it's basically Cordell Patterson taking carries from Mike Davis. But more importantly, we expect this game to be an up-tempo game script and uh, Mike Davis will be the pass catching back. And so that's why that's as pretty much as low as I go among the running back rosters on DK, unless Rich has someone special for me that I haven't seen just yet. Rich? No, I actually was going to bring up Mike Davis because I'm not, from an objective stance, the matchup, it's not good. Like the Falcons already have injuries on their interior offensive line yeah. and the one strength of the Eagles is their defensive front. But when we make objective running back selections in daily fantasy football, we bring up the, you know, the Al Smizzle five boxes, right? Like, is he a home favorite? Yes, he is. Uh, you know, does he have passing game usage? Yes, he does. Does he have goal line usage? Yes, he does. Is he going to probably project to see 20 touches? Yes, he will. So even though we don't like the matchup, he's just, uh, he, he objectively checks the box to look for when we play running backs. 
So I, I think he's got to be involved. He's really cheap uh, on DK at 5-4. That's where I would want to play him over FanDuel um, because he can still have a little bit of a floor. Um, everyone's going to talk about the top three guys all week. You'll hear about Michael Thomas and Swift Stop and Kamara all week. Uh, we'll just skip over that. Uh, I will say we've talked a lot about DraftKings. I will say on FanDuel, I think James Robinson is a, is, is a play on FanDuel a little more than DK. DK somehow had him at 6,400. Uh, even prior with Travis Etienne still on the team. Uh, so they were, <laughs> I don't know if they were, if we could say they were ahead of that or it just kind of worked out that way. Everyone loves last year's stats. Everyone um, loves it. FanDuel is a, was a little different. He's he's priced down on FanDuel. Uh, I believe he's 5'9". I could double check, double check and make sure he's 5'9". So I think he's a, a really good play there. Uh, I believe the Jaguars are... I mean, they could be sneakily. If the Jaguars lost this game, I don't think I'd be nearly as shocked as when the Jaguars beat the Colts last year to open the season. But everyone's worried about, you know, James Robinson is going to lose touches. Sure, he always was going to. He had 85% of the backfield carries last year, 86% of the backfield touches. There was a point last season before he got hurt where the next guy, closest running back on a team in touches, had 27 touches. Like, that was never going to happen again. But he still is the most talented player between he and Carlos Hyde. He still has it in line to receiving work. I believe he still has an in-line to go on work. We'll see if that happens or not. I mean, he's not a guy I probably would play in cash. He comes with some little bit of leniency, but he is 5'9 there. It's kind of more suited to where you don't get all the wide receiver value. Uh, I think he fits in builds there. I am, for tournaments, interested in Trey Sermon. Uh, I don't know if we need to really get that mm. cute this week, uh, but this is, uh, you know, four diners are seven and a half point favorites. Uh, it's climbing. You, this is a backfield we inherently want to buy in on, right? They're fifth in backfield touches in 2020. They were second in backfield touches a year ago. When the 49ers blow teams out in the Kyle Shanahan era, they their running backs go nuts in those games. You think about Raheem Mostert in the playoffs against the Packers. You think about Tevin Coleman against the Panthers in that game. Uh, also, when you look at Raheem Mostert, if Trey Lance doesn't fully play the package that he was going to play with this, you know, hand injury i think that does ding raheem mostert a little bit because you don't get those rpo free edge runs that he's going to excel on this year also the other thing with raheem mostert is he has never been good inside the goal line while he's in san francisco and the other backs all have been and anytime he's been on the field they've used another back inside the five yard line than him he's converted just three of 13 carries inside the five with the 49ers it's 23 percent other 49er backs since Raheem Mostert have been there have converted 53 percent 18 to 34 I believe Trey Sermon is going to be the goal line back and if Trey Lance is not going to be there to kind of get the snaps in those packages that we saw in that Raiders game in the preseason inside the five that opens up more of a path for Trey Sermon to get some more of those goal line touches and I also just believe during the context of the season it being week one they're going to preserve Raheem Mostert a little bit too so in the second half this game is in the 49ers favor I think we're going to see a lot at Trey Sermon uh it's it's a tournament play only but he is dirt cheap uh on both sites and I think it really sets up for him to kind of be a galaxy brain play I don't even know that's galaxy brain the way you explained it actually I, I hadn't taken that angle just yet I love the angle though that makes a lot of sense I will say, uh, you know, this is, I, I ran again. I ran the optimals before the show. It's Wednesday night. Things are going to change. Trey Sermon, this is FanDuel specific, popped up in 17%. So maybe that's not completely goofy, completely off, I mean, off the reservation. It's Go interesting ahead. that he pops up in optimals because this is a week one thing where we just don't know, right? Like you can't project his touches. You can't. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that, you know, it's probably, got, it, obviously he's got a big number on him. It's a nice matchup as well too. And, you know, we'll see. That, that stuff may change. Uh, the other thing, and Smizzles, you know, five boxes that you check. 
Um, is he good? Is not one of the boxes. I love how that's not because he's not. We don't think he's good. <laughs> run, if it's a running back, it, does, it doesn't matter. Good. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so he's the he's the poster boy of like just as long as he gets opportunities, he's gonna touch the ball twenty to twenty five times, whatever it is. And also, he's priced for and, a guy that like who cares, right? It's basically the yeah. the whole the whole preseason has been about keeping Mostert healthy all year long. So like even the narrative you want to paint makes a lot of sense because what better game is there to keep Mostert healthy than one we assume they're going to win by two scores by and they run Sermon out the entire second half. That It makes a ton of sense. And Mostert's going to be played, I think, higher because of the excitement that uh, we saw at the RPO runs. But Mostert is one of those guys, like he's got the higher ceiling, but he's because if he scores it's going to be like a tarmac run like he's going to have a 60 a 50 yard, yard run yeah yeah and that's how he scores touchdowns uh so i mean if it's just like a power play for a touchdown i mean uh i think sermon's got a little interesting thing now i mean lance could also just be more healthy and we see those packages and he gets two rushing touchdowns and ruins everything in that game but hey <laughs> is anybody of a take as far as gibson being like i don't five nine on dk seven k on fandle like i think you could mostly stay away from that of course extreme tournaments but that doesn't make a ton of sense. But five down on DK, mm-hmm. um, you know, is he going to get third down work? Does he need third down work for that price? Yeah, he's a four or five box checker, right? Like, yeah. I will say that I actually came out more on the positive side this preseason of Gibson's usage while everyone kind of went the other direction and said he wasn't playing third downs. Because the interesting thing is he was targeted on five of his 10 routes in the preseason. Last year as a rookie, he was targeted on just 23% of his routes. So now is he going to be targeting 50% of his routes in the season? Absolutely not. But I thought it was still encouraging that they were getting him early down looks in the passing game. Any other running backs that are worth a mention or shall I move on and talk about some receivers and tight ends? And my apologies to producer Devin, who's been working hard all day long. And yeah, he's uh, it's been a long day for him. Hopefully he won't stick around too much longer. We got to get the people what they want week one. Uh, ran a little bit long, but I think we're having a good conversation, an opening conversation as far as this uh, this week. Uh, Dago, we good as far as running back? Shall we open up receivers? Oh, ah. <laughs> D- Dago, he, he uh, couldn't make it. The cucumber roamer when Martini got to him. Apparently, uh, he had he had to take a little detour. I thought he was uh, looking after his roommate, who may or may not have killed over. But all right, uh, what, what do you think here, Reeves? Uh, receiver. Uh, obvious you know what the obvious ones like Adams of course he's good I love McLaurin probably just as much as anybody um Ridley for sure we know how that works with him with that Julio Jones if salary wasn't a thing and it kind of sort of someone isn't a thing who's your favorite top you know optimal receiver that we've yet to talk about yeah, I mean, we've talked about all the cheap guys on, on DK. You're going to see a lot of Marquez Callaway, and I don't even think the matchup really matters for 3,400. You know, the Packers did allow the fewest amount of PPR points per game to opposing wide receiver ones. I don't think that, I mean, 3,400 for the target volume, you just suck it up, right? Like, you, you, no big deal. Uh, I will say on both sites, I believe T. Higgins is, is pretty wildly priced, uh, undervalued, 4,700 and 6K flat. Uh, I think he, he fits a lot of builds really well. Uh, he was fourth among all rookie wideouts and fantasy points last year. Um, he led all rookie wide receivers and targets inside the 10. I still think he's that guy. If they get down there there, we know the pass volume is going to be there for the Bengals, even if they're not really getting over. Uh, so he kind of is a guy I'm really looking at uh, just fits a lot of things that I want to do on in a lot of builds. Uh, so he's a guy I'm looking at. I will say I got one dark horse uh, that I think is interesting. And no one's talking Shut about up. him. No one's talking about him. I'm going to see if I can start the trend this week. And it's KJ Hamler. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. So KJ Hamler, a lot of people have drawn the corollary of Teddy Bridgewater starting is great for Jerry Judy. 
And it, it probably is. It's a lot better than Drew Locke because only A.J. Green had a lower catchable target rate than Jerry Judy. Yeah. But K.J. Hamler is the actual Denver Broncos starting slot receiver. When he returned to a full-time role last year, he had 37 targets in the slot. No other Broncos receiver had more than seven. The entire rest of the team had just 16. He had the lowest A dot of the guys, 10.9 yards. He's also got Kenwin vertically too, like a Deshaun Jackson, like out of the slot. Uh, but he had the lowest A dot of the two. And if you look at the catchable target rate uh, of the Carolina Panthers wide receivers, there was a huge difference between Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore uh, is the guy who Jerry Judy ran most of his routes like last season. Uh, so I mean, think that if there's a guy that actually kind of got the biggest bonus of Teddy Bridgewater starting, it's kind of KJ Hamler. Now we are in the third or fourth potential target of Teddy Bridgewater. So this is not a guy you're going to play in cash, uh, but at three, one, I think he's leveraged on all the other three K receivers because they're all going to be way higher owned. Uh, and there's some upside here because the giants also have really good boundary corners in a Dory Jackson and James Bradbury not so great on the interior so we might hit a home run uh it's another galaxy brain play but uh i'm gonna start the season with some galaxy brain plays because week one we don't know anything it's no worse than people's jones right <laughs> i, I, I said the bar pretty low but I'm, I'm not even saying it's wrong i just did not expect to come to the pick six week one show and hear about kj hamler and donovan people's jones it's, it's not even a Mitchell Trubisky week. That's We're so thirsty. Week. We're so yeah. thirsty. <laughs> it has been a while. I think we've all gone crazy from the offseason. Does uh, uh, Jen C- uh, Cucumber sneak up on you there? It's Yeah, it's, it, it came a little quick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I had to run off for a second. But You're nonetheless, good. only one. Nothing nothing too crazy. I don't have anything like that. Uh, if, again, it, it sucks that ownership will probably be flat like Reeves mentioned earlier. But if not, I was hoping Elijah Moore would come in vehemently over rostered because then you could just run it back with Corey Davis. I like the matchup a whole lot. Joe Brady helped engineer uh, a career high in passing yards for Teddy Bridgewater against in hindsight, what was the league's toughest passing schedule and now has Sam Darnold. And I don't know what happens when Sam Darnold throws it deep with these, without Adam Gase, it probably goes 20 yards out of bounds, but I would like to see what happens, what ha- what happened when it happens, because it's going to happen. Whereas it did not happen with Teddy Bridgewater. There's a capability for a lot of splash plays. And if you have a run back option and if Elijah Moore is the guy, everyone's going to roster Corey Davis, who had 10 targets on 23 preseason snaps, 13 preseason routes is the guy I would love to use as leverage. And so uh, it's hard to get leverage in week one. I understand that, but that's still kind of what I'm kind of eyeing here. Uh, as I think, like Reeb said earlier, he thought I was going to email that game because I think it's a sneaky over game. The issue is that I worry about the Jets carrying their weight in points because the Panthers defense has like stars. It's as if you built a Stars and Scrubs auction lineup in fantasy football um, between Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, uh, JC Horn, the list goes on and on. So maybe they're just better than the Jets offense and they stuff them out. But either way, I think Corey Davis is really interesting. Is, uh, is Michael Pittman good chalk or bad chalk? 4-1 on DK, 5-3 on Fandle. Just, again, a lot of guys are distinctly underpriced, but that, uh, Reeves, that, that price seems really, really good. And again, in the optimals that I ran, and I, I, I ran a key, I hate to keep pointing to him, but like he is jumping in both Fandle and on DK as a guy that kind of makes stuff work. Are you in on Pittman? Um, I think he's fine at 4-1. What we're looking for for Pittman and where he could potentially be a trap play is you need to have significantly different usage than what we got out of him as a rookie. He was at the bottom of the rookie wideout pool in just about every type of target we care about in fantasy football. He was second to last among all rookie targets in deep target rate. 
Uh, he was fifth from the bottom of all rookies in targets inside the 10. Uh, and he was last in target rate in end zone targets, dead last. So we need a significant change in year two. And they could get that. I mean, he's, he was a year one player. Uh, you know, there was a COVID year. He, he was learning to, to get acclimated to the NFL. But also we need that usage to completely be different. I mean, watch the ghost of Zach Pascal do something again. He's the, I swear to God, every time the Colts are down a receiver, Zach Pascal does something and ruins it for us. Um, but I mean, I'm fine with it. I have no pushback on Michael Pittman. He's probably going to be a guy I avoid because I've been uh, I'm just going to hold on to my priors and believe that he was overvalued uh, for everyone's right. breakout uh, choice anyway. So I'm going to dig in and be wrong. There you go. Is there anybody else you want to throw out there uh, throughout the show? Like Hamler is thrown out at Reeves. I threw out people's Jones. You want to put somebody in that level in that conversation that might be worth rostering uh, this week? Uh, the only other player that is also bad that I have to mention <laughs> is Tyler Croft. And maybe it's not even bad because the way the, the builds work in cash lineups anyways, if you want to play a men tight end, like he's the guy I would go to. There are other cheap options, but the fact that they released Dan Brown and Ryan Griffin and re-signed them 24 hours later for cheaper just tells you that they don't care about them. Like the Jets and Michael LaFleur are looking for their move tight end and Tyler Croft finished the preseason. I know Elijah Moore didn't play, but he still finished the preseason behind Corey Davis, second in target share and Zach Wilson's first team snaps. And he's stone men at 2,500. So if that's the way a build goes in cash games, again, not tournaments um like that's a player i genuinely don't mind rostering at all uh let's touch on tight ends just real quickly kyle kyle pitts on dk is 4.4 k dk man what a, like I mean, they just want people what to did they, i don't understand what they did yeah also if you look <laughs> at the eagles falcons props that dk just released as well like they think that game's going to be 35 points combined the, the 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 totals and the player props are wild and they I mean, and, and when you look at this when you look at it what's okay. that I was asking, is, it, is there anything you hit? Is there anything you bet there? Or are you just kind of, you're still kind of waiting it out? Well, no, uh, Kyle Pitts' receiving prop is 41 yards as well. Uh, I mean, it, it's, Kyle, it's Kyle Pitts. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You should just run off. Jalen Hurts' rush, rushing prop is 39 and a half yards. Again, I don't know what to tell you. So you just uh, just go. Just go to the book right now. Yeah, well. I mean, I'm in the wrong state. And the Eagles are a team, too. People, a lot of, a lot of people are going to look at what happened last year with the Eagles, right? But this is another team that had a coaching change that's going to change their philosophy, right? Last year, the Eagles had one good cover cornerback, and all they did was play man coverage. They just left guys on islands the whole season. They had the fifth highest man coverage rate. Jonathan Gannon, who the Nick Sirianni brought over from Indianapolis, has coached under Matt Eberflus. He's coached under Mike Zimmer, and he's coached under Steve Spagnuolo. This team is going to run, play a ton more zone coverage than they played last year. Uh, and they should because the personnel they had. So they're going to play a lot more cover two than they ever have. Uh, these linebackers that the Eagles have are not good. They did not upgrade the coverage linebackers that they, they had last season, which were bad. Rodney McLeod is also out for this game. He's already been declared out. So everything kind of lines up for Kyle Pitts to be really good in week one. Uh, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. 4-4 on DK. This is the cheapest he's going to be all year. Correct. There's no chance he'll be this cheap again. He's going to be in the fives pluses uh, every week after this. Also, uh, Sirianni was an offensive coordinator for the Colts for three years, and they literally finished top 10 all three years in pace and plays per game. First, fourth, and ninth overall. So if if that helps us that the Eagles are faster, like that also helps Kyle Pitts reach his egregious totals. Uh, Reeves, uh, my yeah, this game's going over. That game's going over. It is, but it, but here's what's funny, Reeves. It's getting steamed down, and I don't I don't know why. 
perhaps you should ask your boss who is betting the Eagles Falcons <laughs> under because it doesn't make any sense at all to me. Wow, listen, my my boss gives games out and uh, he did not give that one. Go, out yeah, because your boss is good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one more question as, as far as Pitts. My understanding, I don't know much about him. I don't watch a lot of college. I, I kind of read everything else uh, everybody else is putting out there, but he's just a tight end and name alone, right, Reeves? You talk about the coverage. Will he see a linebacker? Will he see a corner? Who's going to be covering him? It's going to be all different. He's going to still play in line. Like the, people are acting okay. like this guy's going to be lined up at, at flanker the entire time. Like the dude's still going to line up in line. They're going to do a lot of things with him. Uh, you don't take a guy at four that is an all world athlete and can do anything on a football field and just let him do pigeonhole into one thing. That's something Randy, Randy Fickner would do. Something dudes get fired for, <laughs> not guys like Arthur Smith. Uh, like it's, I, I don't. I don't think that that matters. I think that that whole Kyle Pitts as a receiver thing is like literally one of the things that matters the least of what I it's, care about. It's almost a summary though of this week one salary is uh, you can get contrarian elsewhere, but don't get contrarian where like, you know, you don't need to be. And Kyle Pitts for one, you don't need to be like, you just suck it up and you can be contrarian elsewhere. Before we step aside and get out of here, let's, uh, I don't know if you want to like stamp on a player or you want to stamp on a stack that you really like this week, kind of just a, uh, Something that you're, you know, you're liking DFS, obviously. Uh, Rebar, I'll let you go first. And of course, let the people know. I mean, they know, but just in case they don't know where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find you, where they can find all your other takes. We haven't talked about everybody. You can't talk about everybody, but give the people where they can find you and give them a, I don't know, a hot take, a lukewarm take. What do you I, like this week? As a, I uh, mean, Dean, I just galaxy brained Trey Servant and KJ Hamler. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's like gremlin time over here. Uh, you can find me at Lord Reeves, at Sharp Football Analysis. The worksheet's already out. I break down all these games. If you like the stuff, uh, the cut of my jib, you can get more of it over there. Don't feed him after midnight. Don't put water on him. Uh, Dago, same deal. Feel free to put, put your stamp on a stack, a stamp on a player, or just uh, tell the people where they can find you. Again, they all know where they can find you, but just in case they don't, where can they find you on Twitter, your work, all that good stuff? No hot takes, but I do want both of you and Devin, our producer, to move out to the Pacific time zone. I'm not. So we can, so we can all do this. To be fair, Cleveland is very cheap and much cheaper than Vegas, so that's totally fair, <laughs> especially when you have three kids. Nonetheless, at not Jay Daigle on Twitter, a good football show podcast you should subscribe to because we just moved to six episodes per week. The six being the Friday DFS building block show, which like the Sunday morning Roto-Grinder show, much more information comes in by that time. We air after injury reports and thus it then moves to the podcast feeds Saturday morning after we record Friday night. And then you can go to NBCSportsEdge.com, not only for my Tuesday waiver wire column, but also just for redraft. If you're into that type of thing, use the promo code Daigle 10 on the homepage and you can get 10% off our tiers and weekly rankings which I actually have to do sometime this evening not sure what's going to happen I'm not going to face my anxiety like Buddhist wants me to do and uh, put Zeke in a situation because I don't want to rank Zeke right now it's going to be bad and I don't want to rank him well I'm not going to force you to rank him just, just go out there have yourself a good time in Vegas enjoy uh, the Gordon Ramsay and the, you know, the, the cucumber uh, gin or what martinis whatever you're kicking back on have a Both. good time Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thanks for watching out there on the YouTube land. Do like, do subscribe, turn on notifications. Again, we're going to be doing this every single Wednesday night. That was Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis. That was John Daigle from NBC Sports. I was Dean from Rotor Grinders. That was football as well. We're out of here. Thanks for watching. Holler. Holler.